From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting-edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome to The Dairy Show. I am your host, Lisa Benke. With just weeks to go until World Dairy Expo 2023 gets underway, there are a lot of preparations being made. Cattle exhibitors are finishing up their summer shows and prepping tack. The trade show exhibitors from around the planet are shipping booths and finalizing their key messages. Internationals are updating their passports and getting their visas in order and checking their airline tickets, while the media are devoting entire issues to the upcoming week-long event. And the youth in Canada and across the United States are polishing their skills in anticipation of some of the deepest water competition they are yet to face. Today, we welcome to The Dairy Show, Carrie Edsel. Carrie serves as the SUNY Cobleskill Dairy Judging Team Coach. And today, she'll give us a little bit of an inside glimpse as to what it takes to prepare for a trip to World Dairy Expo as a youth competitor and as a coach of said youth competitors. Carrie, welcome to The Dairy Show. Thank you. Carrie, why don't we get started by getting to know a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Tell us about your history. I actually grew up in what we do call downstate New York. <laughs> so as we talk of SUNY Cobleskill being upstate, I grew up in Orange County, which is right on the New Jersey-Pennsylvania border. And my family was operating a seven-generation dairy farm down there where we're 50 miles outside of New York City. So urban pressures were always a big thing, but I was involved in a really strong 4-H dairy program and kind of got a late start compared to what a lot of kids do. I didn't start showing our cows until I was a freshman in high school. So that's old <laughs> for what a lot of, of youth now get into. But it took many years of begging my dad uh, to let us show our Holsteins and Brown Swiss to get me started. And then once I got in, it was full steam ahead. And dairy judging became a big part of that. Um, I had a great coach. Joe Rakowicki was a, a name well known in New York. And of course, our 4-H agent, Tom Davis, who's still heavily involved in the New York State 4-H. I credit dairy judging for really allowing me to get off the farm and see other cows and farms and how those all operated. Back in my day, you know, the 4-H, we drove across the state for various contests in the summer. We would participate at the SUNY schools, so at SUNY Cobleskill, SUNY Morrisville, and then Western New York, SUNY Alfred, uh, would host dairy judging contests each summer. And those were just a big part of you know, getting out there, seeing cows, and meeting other youth from across the state. So that was a big part for me. And that allowed me to actually choose what college I wanted to go to. So I actually went to SUNY Morrisville, and was heavily involved with uh, the Dairy Cattle Club there and the dairy judging team. I was an ag business major, but competed for the 1995 uh, SUNY Morrisville dairy judging team. And again, with that, had such a, a great experience of really strong contests and practices and all of those things. I then transferred to Cornell University and competed on the Cornell dairy judging team as well. And I went to World Dairy Expo in 1997 with Cornell. And that back in the day is what a lot of the, the two-year ag and tech programs did is, you know, you kind of got your footing, got a lot of hands-on experience and then and transferred. But those were two, being a part of both of those teams and having that experience was the major part of my college career path. And then after college, wasn't so sure what I wanted to do, but I was a herd manager on a middle-sized dairy farm for a few years. 
and then decided to go my route of my degree with some education and went into the cooperative extension service. During my time with Extension, I also found that I had a niche for marketing products and helping farmers to to do that and establishing different markets. And many of that came along the lines of also pasture-raised meats. We were seeing farmers retiring out of dairy farming and looking to, you know, they were raising some beef cattle or pastured poultry and things like that. And they just didn't know how to market the products and I don't know. Somehow I found that that was a real strong interest of mine and how much I really enjoyed talking grasses and forages and pasture rotations and all of that. And then kind of taking those products and helping the farmers market them. So I enjoyed uh, my time in Shenango County uh, with that. But then I had an opportunity to move south and I took that opportunity and went to work for North Carolina State University. And my role down there was a little different. Again, I really enjoyed the experience I got you know, going to a different area of agriculture. I was in a county without one dairy farm <laughs> in the center part of the state. So that was a little different. But again, working with farms who, along with small farms like pastured poultry, pastured hogs, that type of thing, I was also working with very, very large hog and poultry units and row crops and tobacco and all of those things. I also enjoyed, once they found out I had some dairy judging experience, I was asked to judge several shows during my time down there. So I had a good time getting around the state to see dairy cattle at some small shows. So that was enjoyable. But then in 2009, I decided to move back up towards family. And while I was down south, my family sold the generational dairy farm in Orange County and moved upstate <laughs> to uh, Sharon Springs. And so with, while I was away, they made that big move. And I decided when I came back to New York that I wanted to be near them. And with that, finally began to practice what I preached. So I bought a small acreage, I'll call it. It wasn't a farm, it's a, but I turned it into a farm. And <laughs> But with this acreage, I wanted to begin doing pastured poultry, pastured hogs, and to begin marketing my own products. And that went well. And again, started getting to know the area, which was a big part of marketing, uh, knocking on doors to meet restaurants and things like that, helping to establish some farmers markets, get into some well-known farmers markets over the course of my, my early years doing that and raising my children and things of that sort. And then in 2012, SUNY Cobleskill came knocking. During my couple of years being here, I met some some faculty and they requested I come in to fill in an adjunct position for a professor who was going on sabbatical. And I started in January and have not left since. <laughs> so what was supposed to be a part-time temporary gig became full-time permanent. I also can continued to build the farm. That's where uh, that's where I found myself here. <laughs> you are eminently qualified, Carrie. The background that you have uniquely positioned you to be right where you're at at SUNY Cobleskill. And I know you refer to the men in your life as the great box builders. Tell us a little bit more about this acreage that you developed into a farm. I know it's known as Black Willow Pond Farm, but that is a huge part of your life right now, in addition to teaching at SUNY Cobleskill. Yes, it really is. So we... We tend to focus, again, on pasture-raised meats, and uh, we raise thousands of meat chickens throughout the grazing season. So here in New York, really focused on like end of April, early May at the best through Thanksgiving. So we do meat chickens and we do turkeys that are fresh for Thanksgiving holiday. We have a very large flock of Katahdin hair sheep, which I 
never intended to raise sheep, but I needed a ruminant to graze our pastures ahead of the poultry. So that's where the sheep came into play. I love pigs. <laughs> and uh, with that, uh, our pig herd has grown and we've now started breeding Berkshire pigs. Prior to that, the early years, we've been purchasing Berkshires from a few different breeders. I always raised meat rabbits as a kid, so we got into doing that. And then, of course, egg-laying hens just because, well, why not? And we do all this in a succession of grazing here with the different animals, with the, the sheep and the poultry. Our pigs do have their own designated pastures. And then my husband does a hay for a variety of different other farms near us, so he does some custom cropping in that way. So that allows us to have some bigger machines on the farm for our small size that we are. Carrie, do you mind my asking, is your husband then also from an agricultural background? He's the tractor guy to my animal person. My husband is a, a Sudi Cobal skill grad as well. And uh, he really has a passion to work with equipment and crops and things of that sort. So he's had careers with John Deere, with the Dagelman Industries, and he was spending a lot of time on the road. So that was always a balancing act with his travel for his equipment job. And so that kept us, you know, always balancing things. But now he is home full time. So our farm has allowed us to bring him home and he just helps here at the farm. He does the custom harvesting work. And then our other new gig that we are doing is solar grazing. So we are also looking at, we pasture our sheep under solar fields. So solar has arrived in New York. This is a, a love-hate relationship many of us have, but we are working with a couple different companies to have contracts to have our sheep graze and maintain these solar fields, which allows it to stay in agriculture. So we're trying to find the, the best part of you know the solar here that is sometimes not well received, and, and we totally understand why. So that's been part of our gig here with the home farm. We participate in two farmers markets year round. We also ship our meat. So we have the ability to do that through our website and ship our meat with mainly the focus again of hopefully getting people to you know, meet their farmer and understand where their food comes from. So that's what we're, we're doing here on the farm. Well, your two sons are getting a hands-on education in marketing and animal husbandry and plant pathology and all those great things that happen when you work side by side with your parents. Like we said earlier, you are so uniquely positioned to be teaching in the SUNY system. And let's talk about that here. As our listeners are listening, we keep saying SUNY. So maybe in print, you've seen it, S-U-N-Y, the State University of New York system. And as Carrie mentioned, she teaches at Cobleskill. But Carrie, tell us, how many SUNY campuses are there in the state of New York? So the SUNY system is one of the largest university systems in the country. We have 64 sites or different colleges that you'll find. When the system first started, many of them were ag and tech. But right now, we're pretty much down to three who run active farms. So that's Cobleskill, Morrisville, and Alfred. Us being in the east, Morrisville in the center part of the state, and Alfred out to the west of the state. And with our program, it is a true working farm. So we have about 200 head of dairy cows. We have a small beef farm. We have sheep and goats and an equine center, a greenhouse, aquaculture, and all of that falls under our our system of animal science, natural resources, and agriculture as a whole. Cobleskill is also well known for our ag engineering program, and we run a John Deere 
tech program through that. And it's one of very few in, in the nation and the only one here on the East Coast. So it's, it's well known for that. Our students do have dorms here. They can live on campus. They can, many of them actually work for the, the different farms as well. And with that, they're getting a, a full hands-on experience within our program. And being taught by instructors with the same, you have such relevant hands-on experience. So Carrie, which courses do you teach then on that campus? Yeah, so the course that has become mine, quote unquote, <laughs> is the Intro to Animal Science. That was the class I was brought in to teach, the labs in particular, so that hands-on portion. The Intro to Animal Science course we put about 200 students through that course. The fall is very heavy and then a little bit lighter in our spring uh, classes. And that class, every incoming freshman will take, and it allows us to give a foundation for those students. They have a very large lecture with a lot of students in it. You, in the in the fall, we're around 140 to 150. And so it gives them that big college feel. They get to know all the incoming freshmen who are in the animal science uh, criteria and programs. And then with the labs that I have been teaching since I started there, we start everything from biosecurity to growth and development, reproduction, digestion, nutrition, and all of those things. And each, each week has a different topic, really gives them a strong foundation. And when we can, we are out in the barns. And that's, my, that's always my big thing. I like to teach the classes where you get dirty and you get the, that hands-on feeling. And for some of our students, the animal science program has changed over the years for sure. And while in the past it was a lot of farm kids that came, we're seeing a change in that. You know, our students who many do come from farm backgrounds, but we have many that are coming out of more urban areas and they may not have any experience with livestock. So putting those students next to, you know, a mature dairy cow or working in the horse barn as we do a behavior lab, you know, handling the sheep and goats, we're really, you know, getting them in there to do all that. And that's what I think is you know, the best part of attending a small ag and tech school. This obviously led with your background in 4-H dairy cattle judging, post-secondary cattle judging and intercollegiate cattle judging. You found yourself coaching the SUNY team. How did that all come about? You started out as an instructor, correct? Or when you were hired, did they also hire you to coach that team? No, not at that time. Uh, many will know Dr. John Tryon was the coach for many years at SUNY Cobleskill. He retired and in 2015, plans were being made in the department. Um, I got a call that summer and was told, well, we're going to bring you on full-time. So I had only been part-time up till then. And with that, we want you to coach the dairy judging team. So that was mid-July of 2015. If you know what dairy judging involves, yeah, that was right in the gear up for you know the fall contest. So Dr. Tryon had selected his team for that summer and they were handed to me. I did not know I of that those four students, I knew one. And that was more because I knew her family from showing cows and things like that. The others, you know, I you talk about a let's get to know each other moments. You know, they didn't know anything about me and I didn't know much about them. And here we go. You have to trust me. And it was a huge learning curve. And that team will always be near and dear to my heart for growing with me during that year and being so you know, flexible and things like that. 
so yeah, I got a, it was, you know, it wasn't even a get your feet wet. It was be thrown into the fire uh, for that summer and uh, into that fall. And away we went and, and we did very well that year and I was pleased. And then from years on after that, I, I, I literally keep changing like how I prep a team. But that was my start. <laughs> that was how I got into it. <laughs> Sounds like trial by fire is your thing. It totally was. And I had, I've had so many great compliments on what we've been able to accomplish because John had been doing it for so long. People didn't know the judging team other than attaching it with with uh, Dr. Tryon. So it was big shoes to fill. And then being that I was a Morrisville Cornell person, I got picked on a lot for that. But I think I brought on another, you know, just a, a different set of ideas too. Well, and I note that Dr. Tryon had successes. The team did win the contest in 2008. And again, in 10 and 12, they were on the Every Other Year program. And I don't think you're going to toot your own horn, but I'm going to do it for you. You took over in 2015 and you took a year to get your feet on the ground. You participated in the 2016 contest. But then Carrie, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Our theme this year at World Dairy Expo is Dynasty in Dairy. And I got to say, the SUNY Cobalt Skill team is quite the little dynasty. You have won four of the last five years of competition with your teams. And that's a real testament to your... Um, you're coaching, I think. That's You're bringing four individuals together that have probably not judged historically together, and you're making them into a cohesive team. And there's a lot to teach. And I guess, share that with us. How have you been preparing these kids? What is your, your recipe for a winning team? So we start in the spring semester is when I, I start with the judging class. And in that class, any student can take it. And Traditionally, it was a half semester course, actually. That's how uh, John ran it. I did that for two years before realizing, wow, I, I need more time with these students. So I run it now where the students get in. We, I expose them to dairy judging because some have never done it. Others have an interest, but maybe we're never coached. And that's what I'm finding a lot here in New York as, you know, we've lost some of our traditional 4-H coaching stuff and volunteers and things like that. We're finding students with interest, but they just never had that great opportunity to be coached. So with that, we spend time, I, I get them into the basics and what we're looking for and really to start training their eye is how I call it, you know, looking to evaluate those cows and, and what is a confirmationally correct animal. And once they can see that, then we can really start putting the pieces together. And then we move into reasons. And my past coaches, it was, I didn't, I, I baby my team too much. I know I do in the beginning, but I don't want to scare them from reasons. So often we have all these great kids that, oh, I like judging, but I hate reasons. Well, I hated reasons too. <laughs> and I will never forget, just backing up a moment, when I was on the Cornell team and we were, I was down at Louisville and was like, just get through this set of reasons, get through this set of reasons and you never, ever have to do this again. And that was my prep talk to myself and, and look at me now. But I I understand that it's it's not natural. It really, you know, giving those oral reasons is not natural. So we work on that. I really work to get them to have confidence in themselves. And then it comes together. Then it's once they have the setup uh, on how to, you know, present those reasons. Now let's work on our terminology and let's really dig into finding some terms that are, you know, 
you know, truthful, but maybe have a pizzazz to them or the terms that you like that really flow from you naturally. Maybe your teammates doing another set of phrases, but this comes better from you. So I really try to individualize it. And it kind of has to be that way. I didn't know I would become a a grammar coach and a vocabulary coach and all of that. But, you know, for some students, it's that's what they needed to help give them that that confidence and to say terminology in certain ways and, and things of that sort. Everything comes together with you in a single package. You're just a born marketer. And honestly, when you stand up to give your set of reasons, you are selling, you're placing on that class. And the fact that you develop colorful language and descriptors to help make that class come to life for the person taking reasons is a testament to your showmanship too. And those kids are learning a wealth from you. Who knew that taking a judging course would expand your vocabulary? But I have to also point out, we talked earlier earlier too about how you also shine the kids up so that their physical presentation matches their their stellar oral presentation. Talk about that a little bit. If my students listen to this, they will be laughing. You know, some of our students, they've never had to do anything like this. They've never, you know, done public speaking. They've never stood in front of a person to defend their thoughts. So with that comes, like, we got to dress to impress. And uh, I've had uh, some boys in my team that have been, you know, whipped into shape by my by the girls on the team. And, uh, you know, they, they've also been known for matching um, and coordinating their outfits. And, and honestly, though, I let them do that. (laughs) I let them run with it. um, But they know if I don't like something, I'm going to tell them to. But they the way that the teams come together to really boost each other has always been uh, so impressive, whether it's from clothing to attitude to just being, you know, a good friend to each other. And, And some of my teams didn't know each other prior. And some teams were kind of pulled together at the last minute for things with, you know, people deciding, yeah, this isn't for me. And I got to scramble to fill that position. So, you know, we've had a mix of everything, but it's just been so neat to watch the cohesiveness come together with these teams and how close they are. I mean, I'm super close with my former judging teams. You just, you spend that much time with each other and under that much stress, because it's stressful. You know, they they just learn to become the, the best of friends and the biggest supporters for each other as a, a true team. You mentioned too that you had participated on Cornell's team. So that would have been the intercollegiate contest. And you also have 4-H judging under your belt. The post-secondary contest is different than those two contests. Can you can you compare them for us and tell us maybe the components of the post-sec contest that are different and in, in addition to what the 4-H and intercollegiate participants do? Everyone always asks, what does post-secondary mean? And that's that next level, um, which adds an area for students who you know go to a, a two-year college, whether it be a short course um, or it's an ag and tech like ours is, it could be a community college as well, which we've seen some of them participate at Expo. So it's just that that different scale. So it's usually younger students. I usually kind of refer to that. So there is that maturity level if you watch that senior at Cornell versus my sophomore at our school. And, you know, just that maturity level is a little bit different. We also tend to, we're not able to recruit as some large land-grant universities can. And with that, we run on a shoestring budget. (laughs) That's always my jokes with those. Besides those things of just being smaller overall, with that, we have a practical contest at Expo, which the students can participate in that. And then, of course, the 
dairy judging contest as a whole. So, you know, not a lot of differences in it, but just again, that we're, that we're slightly smaller in those realms. What we do at the contest is the exact same. For the most part, we are judging the same cows as the collegiate and the 4-H. We, at Expo, we run 12 classes similar to the collegiate, and then we do five sets of reasons, whereas they have six sets of reasons. So really, it's not too much a difference, um, just a little bit smaller scale. And usually, again, with with younger students is usually the, the kind of the difference there. When you say the kids compete in the practical portion of the contest, can you describe what skills they are demonstrating there? So the practical contest is an optional contest for post-secondary where it's really that out in the field kind of commercial opportunity, if you will. And I'm probably not explaining that right, <laughs> but it's a great opportunity where they bring in the students look at commercial cattle and evaluate them. They're looking at matings and linear evaluations and things of that sort. And it's really a great sponsorship um, from the sire companies and things of that sort who allow us to have this, this opportunity. Again, it's, it's different. It's only open for post-secondary. And again, it's just another opportunity for hands-on, which are what a lot of our students in these post-secondary programs are looking for. Well, I've always admired that part of the competition because it's one thing to judge animals on halter and quite another to look at them as diamonds in the rough like you would at the sale barn or as a classifier looking at them out in their, their pens. So the practical contest is just that. It's it's the kids looking with a practiced eye at, at animals that aren't let out in a group of four for consideration. And it's, you know, the, doing those matings that are, you know, on paper and you're not even seeing the cattle there in front of you. So it's a great opportunity with that. Our team hasn't always participated in it. I let the students decide. So we've had a good time when we have. And then if if a year the students aren't up for it, we, we, we don't do that. But we, we've enjoyed it. And again, I think it's a great opportunity for that hands-on side of it. Some schools, and this is what I would really love to have happen at SUNY Cobleskill, um, bring two teams. So they bring one for the practical contest and another team that plans to judge. And that's what I think is you know, a go-to because sometimes they're, the same student isn't good for, each con- or for the same contest. So allowing them those opportunities. But one day, maybe one day we'll get there <laughs> where we have that opportunity. We talked about all those balls you're juggling. There's always room for one more in your life, I think. Can you tell us about your first trip? to Expo. So my first trip to Expo was the first time I had ever been on a plane. So that was an exciting part for me. And then I just so remember going out and practicing at all the different farms that were set up for us as a a young college student. So that was, you know, just a, a big part of an opportunity for me. Then coming to my first time for coaching, yeah, I, I was more nervous as a coach than as a student, uh, for sure. It was like, you know, you just send your little ducklings out in there into that arena. And I knew there was nothing I could do from that point. <laughs> so I still get, you know, I become a nervous, little nervous Nelly when I let those students go out there. It's definitely been, you know, just a unique experience to watch it from both ways, you know, of being a student out there and then, and then coaching too. And it's just been, you know, when I allow, when our students have the opportunity that they've never, you know, been out of New York, um, they've never been to Wisconsin and seen different sized farms or different breeds of animals. So just, you know, different opportunities arise when we get out there to Expo and we're planning that trip. And then, of course, you know, having the opportunity to also do the trade show is, is another eye-opening experience for them. So what would you say your former students have applied that you've taught them through these judging experiences, Carrie? 
Of course, I'd like to say that I've instilled confidence in some of those shyer kids that would never have done this opportunity before. The ability to do public speaking and be comfortable in their own skin as a defend themselves um, for what their thoughts are. And they're going to do that forever. And I, you know, you also think of dairy judging as a way of, you know, you're, you're choosing the best. So you have four animals put in front of you. Well, maybe that's going to be the same when you choose a career or when you go, you know, car shopping or things like that. So, you know, being able to analyze and break down you know, your options will be a lifelong skill. And then of course, always defending your thoughts with that. <laughs> but I think as I've watched my students grow and now alumni and some are married and have children and and all of those things. I honestly think my favorite part of watching them apply what they've learned or, you know, what their experiences are is they've gone on to now be coaching 4-Hers or they've gone on to judge shows. They've gone on to, they've just made those next steps. And I also too probably should back up and say when students leave me some transfer to larger land-grant universities and I've had students participate for Cornell and Iowa and Virginia Tech and it means so much to me when I'm out there at Expo and they're coming up to me and giving me hugs. Um, it's just been a blast to watch their success at that level too. So yeah, it's just been, you know, all those different things and it all comes back to simply analyzing cattle. We keep it so simple, really. And simple, I think, is always better. But what a firm footing you're giving these kids. And I think that probably leads to my, my question here. Carrie, what do you see the future of the dairy industry looking like in New York? This question is so hard. And, you know, we're seeing the dairy industry change in many different ways. Um, New York is, you know, we're, we're rural. And in my area of New York, we're rolling hills. And so there's many small traditional dairies and we're losing them for various reasons, be it retirement or it's simply the milk truck doesn't want to come up that rural road anymore. You know, so we're seeing those change. We're probably not going to stop that, but we are seeing farms think of diversification in many different ways. And gosh, you're seeing it from, you know, they're marketing their own products to their their housing animals that don't belong to them, you know, and they're, they're doing kind of that kind of thing where they're taking care of other people's animals and doing board and, you know, so there's all these different things that we can look at that are outside the box from traditional. But I just hope that with what we're doing at SUNY Cobble Skill is giving them a, a foundation that will allow them to, you know, get out there in the real world and, you know, have bring thoughts back to their home farm, be a herdsman on a farm where they're doing all kinds of things to improve that farm and, you know, just that type of thing is what I'm I'm hoping that we're doing. And and with that, you know, that hopefully will give a good foundation for the future of dairy here in New York. Because um, it's it's here, you know, we have such a strong population here and having New York City right down the road in some ways, you know, we, we need to keep our milk supply close by to that population. So I think we just got to figure it out as other parts of the country do as well. With you helping shape the future people that are going to step into this industry, I can't believe that it's going to be anything but positive. When you can show those kids with personal example that you can turn an acreage into a farm, 
Carrie, I think that New York, at least those students at SUNY Cobleskill are in great hands. We wish you the best of luck, Coach Edsel, as you come to World Dairy Expo and put the beat on those kids' reasons and their confidence as they come to World Dairy Expo to compete. And we hope that that winning streak that you've got going remains strong at World Dairy Expo. Again, we thank you for being our guest here. I guess as soon as you get done with Expo, I'm guessing you're going to return home to Black Willow Pond Farm to make sure that the turkeys are progressing as they should with Thanksgiving in the wings. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, the fall is always uh, so complicated in many ways, <laughs> and uh, it is a juggling act, but it, I do enjoy it. And we look forward to coming out and being competitive at Expo. And uh, we've got a, a busy uh, next few weeks of practices and small contests to do and our state fair and all of those things. So hopefully we'll have uh, you know a, a really good set of some confident students coming out. We welcome you back to the reunion of the dairy industry. We welcome back our international guests, our trade show, the dairy cattle show that is second to none, the education programs, and of course, the biggest maybe foundation of World Dairy Expo is our youth contests. We welcome you back the first week in October, the judging contest that we were just talking about, the post-secondary contest will take place on October 1st with the dairy classes starting that same afternoon with the Junior Holstein Show. For anybody listening today, we would encourage you to log in to www.worlddairyexpo.com and order your digital tickets today. That's right. We're going digital at World Dairy Expo and those daily tickets are $15. The season passes are $40, but that's if you purchase them in advance. You need to purchase those tickets prior to October 3rd to realize those prices as they will go up after October 3rd. So again, Carrie Edsel, thank you for being our guest today. Day, and we look forward to seeing all of you in Madison, Wisconsin for World Dairy Expo 2023. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you. 